On this episode of Larry the Golf Guy, we talk about the wonderful Maggie Hathaway project that is underway here in L.A. uh, with two people who are actively involved in it, um, Kevin Gigax, who is the uh, head of the SCGA Junior Golf Foundation, and Akbar Chisti, who is uh, supporting the project um, and is the founder of Seamus Golf in um, Oregon. Uh, For those who aren't familiar with the project, it's really a great idea um, that is a collaboration between Los Angeles Country Club, which of course is hosting the U.S. Open in a few weeks here in L.A., uh, the United States Golf Association, and the Southern California Golf Association. And Maggie Hathaway is a golf course in the South Central area of L.A., the uh, uh, main bulk of the project is to restore the golf course um, and also expand the SCGA's programming. Uh, the Junior Foundation of the SCGA just tremendous programming for underserved communities, um, and it's um, as Kevin will talk about. It's it's more than just golf. Um, and um, Maggie Hathaway is they've um, going to be one of the. Uh, facilities are going to be doing that programming and I think they've already started it there and uh, Gil Hans uh, the noted architect uh, is going to be involved in restoring it and this collaborative effort between LACC USGA and the SCGA is to raise the funds to both restore the golf course and expand SCGA programming. Uh, Akbar Chisti um, has um, gotten involved in it, and we start off the pod talking about his um, sort of journey in golf and uh, forming um, Seamus Golf, uh, which is a wonderful company, um, as I said, in in Oregon uh, that makes um, some neat golf head covers, um, pretty cool uh, metalwork, ball markers and the like, and lots of other things. Uh, and uh, uh, so we talk a little bit about uh, um, how that company came about and how he got interested in this uh, wonderful collaborative project uh, for Maggie Hathaway. And, and Kevin um, will, you know, talks about the SCGA's involvement. And uh, just quickly, uh, before we get the pod started, wanted to mention two key websites for those who are interested. The uh, 2023 U.S. Open Legacy Project at Maggie Hathaway. You can find out more about it at foryouth.org, F-O-R-E-Y-O-U-T-H.org. And um, if you want to hear more about the general uh, tremendous programming that uh, the Junior Foundation, Golf Foundation of the SCGA does, um, you can find out more about that at scgajunior.org. But upcoming... On this episode of Larry the Golf Guy, Kevin Gigax, Akbar Chisti, and the Maggie Hathaway Golf Project. Well, welcome to another edition of Larry the Golf Guy. And we've got sort of a two-for-one special today. Um, We usually do solo interviews, but I'm really thrilled today uh, with the U.S. Open coming up um, here at LACC in Los Angeles and the wonderful collaborative project um, that uh, LACC and the USGA and the SCGA are doing uh, regarding the Maggie Hathaway golf course, which we'll get into. But 
got two relevant folks for that. Um, Kevin Gigax, who was had on the show before, who uh, the executive director of the SCA Junior Golf Foundation, and Akbar Chisti, who is the founder of one of my favorite golf companies, Seamus Golf, um, which makes wonderful head covers and all sorts of other things, um, and based up in uh, Oregon, outside Portland. Um, Akbar, Kevin, thank you so much, both of you, for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Um, Akbar, maybe just to start with you and give people a little bit of context um, for your uh, story and involvement in golf. I know, you know, you're up in the Portland area, you went to high school and in, in college up there. Um, can you kind of, uh, just to give people some context, tell us how and when you first got introduced to this great game? Um, my family uh, was basically new to the Portland area in the late eighties and around when I was nine or 10, um, I started getting introduced to it by neighbors and family friends. Uh, my parents didn't really play golf. Um, and so I was probably 10, maybe 11 by the time I started playing a bit more, uh, and really got into it. Um, when I met some friends and started playing with them and met a mentor in golf, but that was about the time I got into it. Did you play like in high school much or tournaments or anything? I or? did. Yeah. So I started getting more into tournaments. Um, I never really posed a huge competitive threat to anybody. Uh, <laughs> I was mostly along for the social time and made a lot of good friends that way. But I caddied in the 96 USAM when it came to Bandon. Ah, okay. um, I would have been 13 that summer. And that was what got me to be a golf nut, I think. And um, I didn't caddy for Tiger Woods. I caddied for a guy who didn't make it to match play, which was okay because I just followed Tiger after that. And um, I would say that got me into trying to pursue a tournament career and be competitive, but uh, mostly ended up having fun with that in high school. So, Absolutely. One of the, I think, you know, Tiger's amazing in so many ways, winning six consecutive USGA match play championships, including the three amateurs is to me always pretty high on the list with the, you know, craziness of match play. And that was amazing tournament with Steve Scott and coming back. Oh, so yeah. that was a good one to have a front row seat on. So, um, and I have so many wonderful things about Oregon and golf besides your company. And another thing of course is band and dunes. And it sounds like you've had some experience caddying there. Yeah. Um, my, my family first got down there in like 98, 99 when it was opening, it was 35 bucks to play. Uh, it was an incredible experience and, um, 35, I got to pause on that 35 bucks. <laughs> That's a first, little less. <laughs> first fall it was open for Oregonians. The rate was $35. At the band of wow. Uh, that was it. And, <laughs> At the time, that was still inexpensive, too, because, I mean, to play Pumpkin Ridge then was probably like 100 bucks or more right. Um, right. relative to us. But I, I played Pacific Dunes a couple of weeks after it opened mm. and fell in love with the place in 2001 and then asked about working there. And so I'd caddy, I'd work in the shop um, and and do that for my summers in college. Cool. What a great place. And that's and what a great golf course, right? I mean, that's personally my favorite of the four. They're all great, but pack dunes and um, that back nine, the way it's routed with, you know, all the threes and fives and just a couple of fours is I think uh, brilliant stuff. Um, great yeah. golf course. So um, 
So I, you know, I know you were kind of an accounting guy um, in college, went to work for KPMG, um, the big four. Um, I'm sort of curious as we get into kind of how Seamus got started. I mean, were you kind of thinking as you're sitting there as a young accountant type for KPMG that you were going to get into golf in some fashion or did this kind of come from left field? Um. I missed golf at that point. You know, we were working a lot as an auditor and um, I, I wanted to do something in golf at some point in life. And the way it kind of came about was my wife, whom I met um, around that time was an apparel designer in women's wear at Pendleton wool. And so she, she was kind of the one who knew how to sew and knew design and you know, it started with her making head covers. So, and and I understand there was like a particular head cover, right? That you had gotten from your dad from yes. Royal Troon that kind of yeah, maybe he, was developed. Yeah. So he brought me a, a head cover from Royal Troon and it was my favorite. It was this tartan. It was a black Stuart with the Royal Troon logo embroidered on it. And I used it all the time and it <laughs> fell apart. People would look at it and think I knew what I was talking about with golf. <laughs> Reality was I didn't, but I could speak to my father's trip, you know, to the motherland when he went to the old course and his whole story. And and then mine working at Bandon, it, it was just something I was really into. But so when it fell apart, Megan, my wife went to fix it. And then the process was like, hey, you know, we could dink around with these and make some from some scraps. And so she started making it for me, some of my buddies. And that was kind of the beginning of it was, it was just to have her having fun with the sewing machine. Cool. So you sort of uh, getting some prototypes, it sounds like from some of the excess materials at Pendleton uh, and she's putting stuff together and kind of, what was sort of, uh, as you think back, kind of in terms of how you guys got off the ground, what were sort of the, some of the key moments? As I re- remember reading about some stuff, it seems like Bandon once again kind of played a, a role in this, right, as an early client? Yeah, I mean, Bandon was a first customer. Um, they were um, very supportive of us from day one. We didn't really know why our product was... Um, desirable to the core golfer other than i knew i liked it the idea of having tartan wool meant that you know you had some respect for the game but we were having some fun with it with some pop color linings and so bannon is where it dropped and then after that you know bannon is like a blessing to be there we started to get to other places um and chambers bay was one of them and so with that led to uh an opportunity there um through the head buyer who took note of our product in the shop as essentially the local purveyor so mary lukasinski um brought us in to see how it would do in that 2015 us open and so that starts your relationship um with the usga um and um i know um and and we only post the audio, so can't show people a picture of it. But the, I want to talk for a minute because I think it's so neat what you thought about for the next U.S. Open, which is at Oakmont. Um, and of course, you know, people um, when they think of Oakmont golfers, they think of the church pew bunkers uh, between those two holes on the front side. And you kind of 
created a pretty neat bottle opener for that, right? Maybe you could describe that. I mean, I was a fan of um, the place. And one of the things I knew about was the church pew. And um, around then, like when I would think about trying to get into do business with an account, um, I only had the resources of the internet, really. So I would <laughs> research them. I would look up history. I'd look up eBay finds of things that had trickled out there that people had sold or were going to sell. And at one point I looked at the aerials of the course and looked at some historical ones and some present ones. And I looked at this church pew. And first of all, I took note of the fact that it would really not be fun to be in there. And I thought (laughs) there could be some way to have some fun with it. Um, And so we started drawing it out and we were like, what does this look like? And, you know, we, we had made a couple bottle openers. My blacksmith is how I met him was he was making these cool bottle openers. So we were like, well, what if this last little bunker were the bottle opener? And it was hidden in this piece that could sit on a desk or in a, you know, bar or something like that. And, you know, be cool on its own, but also have some function to it and be right. became this thing called the church pew bottle opener. It's very cool. A uh, beautiful piece of metal work. Um, so, and you guys have, you know, of course gone on to success, you, you know, a whole bunch of different products um, uh, that are really neat that uh, folks can see on, on the website. Um, if I was sort of asked you kind of, as you sit here, what are we now? You founded in 2010. So we're 12, 13 years into the company. What's kind of your, elevator speech on if I was someone who's, if you were going to say what the essence of Seamus golf is um how would you describe it we're really trying to capture what golf is all about um and 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 tell those stories through product and and when we do that since these stories have meaning we like to make products that are worth holding on to and and ones that create conversation so um I don't know if that qualifies as an elevator speech but (laughs) each piece that we make is one that we think is worth something more than just what it is yeah i i that no that's perfect and um and i also know as you talked about golf as we kind of bring in kevin here for the maggie project you've talked about and i think we would all agree that you know generally for the average person who's not a golfer in public you know Golf sometimes has a negative stigma, elitist game, you know, not necessarily integrated with the communities um, as much as other things. And um, for our listeners who may not be aware of it, um, the LACC, Los Angeles Country Club, which is the host of the U.S. Open this year, first time it's been to Los Angeles in 75 years, which is kind of remarkable, uh, given second largest city in the country. But in any event, LACC and the Southern California Golf Association, the United States Golf Association are collaborating collaborating on this project to um, renovate and re-energize a um, facility in the South Central part of Los Angeles for Maggie Hathaway project. And Maybe, Kevin, if I can kind of bring you in at this point and maybe describe for folks kind of what this special collaboration is about and what's being how what's being done with it and and some of the programming and stuff and, and how the foundation that you run for the SCGA kind of fits in with that. Sure. So uh, thanks again for having me, Larry. Sure. The SCGA Junior Golf Foundation is really trying to think about what would create a more diverse and inclusive game. 
what are the keys to getting uh, all of our populations here in Southern California involved in the game? And uh, so all of our, our programming, all of our strategy is thinking through what are the pathways that kids take to be exposed to the game and, and more importantly to us, then stay in the game, right? We expose kids to the game. That's not enough. And it's much deeper work to figure out what's the pathway each kid wants to take and how do we ensure they have that opportunity, whether it's recreational golf, college golf, high school golf, whatever it may be. So that's what we've been trying to do. And we've had this wonderful relationship with LA Country Club since the 2017 Walker Cup. And when uh, they talked, it was about three years ago now, they approached us and said, you know, the US Open should have it's a really big deal to have this in LA and it should have a community legacy that lives alongside hosting the national championship. And so it really became a two-part program for us. Part of it is um, how do we do exactly what I just described? How do we hit that mission across all of Southern California? Um, but is there something special and spectacular that we can do in LA specifically tied to this US Open? And the more we talked about it, the more we honed in on this golf course, Maggie Hathaway, um, Maggie Hathaway golf course is, is just adjacent to Inglewood in South LA and it's a nine hole par three. That's where kids go to learn the game. That's where seniors play the game. That's where everybody can play the game. Right. And that golf course is now 60 plus years old and has never been renovated. So it's an amazing facility, but all golf courses need rejuvenation. And, and we honed in on that, um, for a lot of reasons where it's located, who it could reach, um, but one other kind of interesting fact is the National Golf Foundation identifies the Southwest LA County region as the most golf-starved region in the country, um, the wow. most golfers per capita with the fewest golf holes. So when you think about that, and then you pinch it down to junior golf, junior golfers get squeezed out first because uh, adult customers pay a higher rate, right? So right. really excited about the project. Sorry to be long-winded in my initial description, but no, no, this perfect. that's kind of how we got to that is, is we want to do something we want to do something large for all of Southern California, but also something very specific that will have a legacy with this U.S. Open. No, that sounds great. And Akbar, you, uh curious kind of how you heard about this. It seems from what I've read, this dovetails really nicely with uh, some of your thoughts about how golf can move forward for a, a greater community than it has in the past. Well, I mean, this, this amount of collaboration between SCGA, obviously, Kevin, you guys have done an incredible job with this thing, but there's the city, the county, um, the USGA, the membership of LACC. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the old course and in the way that the RNA and the Open Championship and the way it's intertwined within the community. Um, but I have a huge appreciation for creativity and when you're talking about small format golf experiences, um, you know, a par three course is easily discarded as one that is irrelevant. But what these guys have seen is they've brought Gil Hans and his eyes in to take a, a gander and see what can be done. And I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for him to express his creativity on such a small canvas uh, in particular, when taking in um, the target demographic, which is an underserved population. And so most people that come from that target um, don't have the experience to see quality golf earlier on, but paired with um, fantastic programming, which is what they would bring with this learning center. So from my perspective, um, I, I've always thought that golf had opportunities to open its doors to um, new people. 
of different backgrounds. Um, and this is one that flings it wide open. And, and I get excited about that because I come, my family's Pakistani. We came to America, Pakistani American. Golf isn't part of our culture. Um, and I was ingratiated to this game by people that had a similar thought process. Um, now, we didn't have this amazing um, institution that would be going in, but I saw this when I heard about it from Kevin and his team as this is like what they're doing is they're paving the way for the future. Um, I think that there's a huge impact opportunity for the local uh, local community, but it seems more like a blueprint for something that could be followed. And, and I think that's what I get excited about. I mean, I just think it's so cool. The idea of having so many people working together like that. I, I, just add, I think you hit it on the head. I think yeah. one of the things that really moved all of these groups to collaborate together was why can't the U.S. Open be a, this this U.S. Open and the Community Legacy be a blueprint for doing this in other places for other other groups and other populations and other facilities? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is um, just to pick up on the, the blueprint notion, uh, because I think historically, I mean, the USGA, you know, runs a fantastic tournament, all their tournaments, all their national championships are fantastic. But I think even they would acknowledge, um, if you talk to their leadership, as I know you guys have, you know, they would come to town, you know, get it all done, you know, do it and then kind of move on. And I think this is hopefully a blueprint for them going forward to, you know, in addition to running a wonderful tournament, leave something of a more permanent nature behind for the community um, to sort of um, have a, have a lasting impact. Um, that's certainly what um, I think is going to be happening here and, and hopefully in, in other sites to come. Yes. Um, I get excited about that. You know, in the process of learning about this project, I've been, you know, calling out to some clubs um, in my normal course of business and, and just talking about it and learning about their involvement. And, you know, to some degree, like there is an absolute appetite in other cities to try to replicate or do something like this, or they're already on their way to doing something like this. But the order of magnitude, the level of impact is, uh, it's so much greater with the weight of the U S open coming through For because sure. what it brings from a business standpoint, but also like what it can leave behind. I mean, I, I, I think what you're saying about this legacy concept is remarkable. I mean, I'm excited to see what it, what it can do. And, um, you know, you mentioned both of you, or Gil Hans, I mean, who, what a great part of this uh, collaboration to add to the mix. I mean, probably the most creative architect these days and, and, and you know, kind of the current open doctor, if you want to use that phrase, I mean, virtually every you know, golden age architectural gem that's held to the U.S. Open, you know, not just LACC, the country club, you can go down the list. I mean, he's really touched all of them and just um, uh, uh, done just a fabulous, fabulous job. So how exciting for him, as busy as he is, right, to devote his time to something like this? Yeah, I, I would imagine this is one of his favorite types of projects to work on. I mean, he's rolling off of what he did with the Palm Municipal, I think that was in um, Florida. That was a pretty sweet setup. But yes, this is a little yes. bit cooler to me because of its setting uh, and the partners that are engaged in it. 
But, you know, if you think about how golf was brought to the masses way back when, which I always like to look at our reference points, it's like yeah. old Tom built the ladies putting course for kids and women. And he was the best architect at the time. Right. And so, you know, that's how he got golf to spread. And so, you know, the many benefits of golf, I think, uh, can be amplified on uh, canvas that Gil has set his hands on. Absolutely. Um, and, um, and maybe Kevin, just you can maybe spend a few minutes just talking more generally, uh, just for listeners who don't know about some of the programming on the SCGA side that the Junior Foundation does at a whole bunch of facilities in Southern California. Because I think one of the neat things about the foundation and the great work you guys do is it's not really prime, not merely focused on, you know, making a lot of great golfers. It's really focused on helping people's lives and, and the way develop the coaches from the community. But you can talk to it a lot better than I can. I mean, if you could sort of talk about that, I think that would be really interesting for people who aren't familiar with it to hear about. Sure. So, um, you know, we do kind of three major things. We give college and vocational school scholarships. We run youth on course in the Southern California region. So that's one to five dollar green and range fees. And then we do what we call player and youth development. And the reason we do player and youth development is um, we feel we've been tracking all these kids that play golf and youth on course. And it's awesome. We've got so many kids playing golf right now. They're playing a lot of golf. Um, but the population of junior golf in our in our view doesn't look enough like the population of Southern California. And so we really got into what's the role we would want to play in helping bring golf to more kids in more communities and especially underserved and underrepresented youth. And so um, long story short, after 10 years, we're now teaching at nine facilities. Uh, Maggie's our newest facility. We're teaching there on Sundays and also partner with the group that is there, SAPI. And uh, we've tried to develop a model that kind of pulls from the best of all youth sports. Like one of the things we we laugh about now, but when we started, kids come for, generally kids sign up for golf. It's practice. It's the only sport where you only sign up for practices, not games, right? So that's just so strange. <laughs> and so you see kids start to attrition after six weeks. If they're not right. really into it or if they're not playing somewhere else for a competition, they, they would attrition. So we we do game days on weekends. We provide uniforms. Uh, one thing we're really passionate about is fitting kids for clubs because they grow so fast. And as soon as your clubs don't fit, golf becomes less fun. Um, so it's it's really how do we go into and partner with golf courses and golf course operators and cities and counties um, that have golf courses that are open and, and friendly to junior golf and that can we can serve a broad, diverse audience of kids. And that's kind of the baseline for where we get started. And then we really care about, we don't want to just introduce kids to golf. I almost think that's unfair to introduce kids to golf and then not give them a way to proceed in the game. So we've tried to build a, you know, we're thinking about it as an ecosystem. If you come into our program, you can be introduced, but then you can go, we were trying to get you as far along the pathway as you can, as you want to pursue in the game. And, and that's our philosophy on developing uh, kids through the game of golf. Underlying that as a nonprofit, it is really important to us that kids come out of this program prepared for things beyond the golf course. So we, right. um, we, we call it positive youth development and we didn't coin the term, but we, we do positive youth development and it's training coaches to be great role models for these kids. So when they, when they are in the program, they develop skills that translate beyond the course, things like leadership, integrity, emotional regulation, uh, perseverance. Um, we know that good coaches can use the game of golf to instill those skills. And we're really focused on training our coaches 
um, to provide that service to our kids. Uh, in addition to becoming golfers, we do care deeply that 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 they enjoy the game at the level that they want to play. And these are coaches I know you try to get from the community, some of whom I think are probably even graduates as you time to go on of your program, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the longer a program goes, the more of our, our coaches are indeed alumni. Um, but we've really thought about, again, we, we're, we're, not in, we're not creating anything new. We've looked at the research, whether it's in golf or in youth sports, um, reasons kids play golf um, or sports, reasons kids play sports, right? It's fun. They have access to it. Their friends are doing it. Uh, but another big one is like there's belonging. And so uh, I think golf sometimes is there's not belonging. And the way we create belonging is we find uh, people that love the game from the community where we're teaching and get them involved and engaged in it, whether that's as coaches, whether that's as volunteers, whatever it may be. But we're trying to create a community around the kids. The kids themselves are part of the community, but also how do we create the community around the kids? Very cool. And and. Akbar, maybe I know you're getting involved in this. You're going to be down here, I think, uh, at, and is uh, putting on an event at the Mag Maggie Hathaway and um, exciting stuff, right? It is. Um, you know, Kevin, just to say one thing, I, I have so much respect for what you're doing there with regards to creating that community and sense of belong um, through golf. I, I think it's awesome. But yes, I am very much so looking forward to getting down there and bringing a few people together to learn about the project. Yeah, that'll be awesome. And, um, you know, Kevin, for, for our listeners who may not be familiar with the foundation, if they want to be helpful and be a part of this effort and support it, what's the best way? Go to the foundation website or what's the best way for people to kind of, you know, learn more about this if they want to be supportive of it? I mean, if, you, if you're interested in the in the Junior Golf Foundation, the best thing to do is just go to our website, scga.org slash JGF, stands for Junior Golf Foundation. Uh, but specifically, the Maggie Project and what we're trying to do to re reinvigorate this golf course and expand programming um, for youth.org is where people can learn specific about the project and, and how to be involved. Perfect. Well, listen, this is great. We're coming up um, only a few weeks away from the U.S. Open being here. Um, but, um, this will be a far more permanent, uh, legacy. Um, and, and as you guys have said, hopefully a blueprint for maybe the USGA to do for future sites as they go around the country for their, um, you know, uh, for their main event of being the men's US open. Um, hey, Larry, but, before uh, we wrap, can I, yeah. can I ask a question? You can ask anything you want. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to ask Akbar a question. Uh, I've never heard the term, but it's, it's it, it made so much sense to me. You referred to uh, Maggie and courses like Maggie as bunny slopes. And I just was wondering if you would expand on how you thought about that and why it's important. Um, oh, good well, question. I think that, you know, my, my first course I ever played was this course here called Orenko Woods. And it was our version of a municipality in the city of Beaverton. It was just outside of it. And um, these little courses have so much value to the introductory golfer and that course has since been, um, developed. And so that course shut down. And I, I think it's really important for us right now to be looking at these small format golf courses as opportunities, because just like skiing, which has its challenges and things getting into it, they have this term called bunny slopes, which is where, you can learn in a non-judgmental setting and very easy type of golf. And that's, that's why I see a place like 
the Maggie, you know, Maggie Hathaway as just one opportunity. And there's a lot of them. And and I think that, you know, with you guys having programming in different areas, even, I mean, I get so excited to see what, what precedence this creates for SCGA. No, that's a great point. And, you know, it's funny listening to this. I I do, as, as Kevin knows, I do a lot of course rating work for the SCGA um, with the great Doug Sullivan and the crew that, that he has uh, rating courses and, got a lot of golf courses in Southern California and the SCGAs. It's, you know, as I say, it's San Luis Obispo to the Mexican border and the Pacific Ocean to Arizona. That's a pretty big area. And they all have to get rated once every eight years. But the reason I mention all that is the USGA is um, on the cusp of expanding the course ratings and slopes and handicaps to these courses down to as little as 1800 yards for, um, you know, 18 holes. They sort of have done all these studies and are comfortable that it correlates in terms of, you know, if you can establish a handicap on those courses, that's valid to, you know, obviously with the slope adjustments and stuff to go on, you know, a, a larger par 72 golf course. And we have a ton of these courses in Southern California. And so, um, I even though I'm not a new golfer, I love playing them. I think they're a blast. Um, I just it's it's just a lot of fun, easy to walk. It's just it it's fun to play. And so we're actually going to be now rating. I I can't remember the exact number that Doug told me, but a ton of these over the next year or two because they haven't been rated before, and we got to get them all rated. So um, that's a big part of the game. It's fun. It's you know it's 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 bunny slope is a perfect analogy for skiing for golf here to to, to use that term. I hadn't heard that before, but that's a perfect uh, term to use. And it's less intimidating. It's, it's, you can play it quick. You know, one of the many things people understandably complain about golf is I don't have five hours or more to go play, you know, an 18 hole public course. So you've got, you know, something can play easier and quicker and it's less intimidating and all of that stuff. So um, those are all, I totally agree with your points, Akbar, and they're going to become an even more prominent part of the golf landscape here in Southern California and across the country. Yeah. I mean, it has to, if to preserve the game, I think in those areas, it absolutely does. Um, I'm so happy to hear that you're sacrificing yourself to go and rate golf courses. It's such a valiant task. Um, how busy does that keep you? I mean, you must have so much work to do down there well you know it's i I will tell you and kevin (laughs) kevin has heard this from me before but a couple things on that first of all um i thought i knew a little bit about this game only because i've been playing it for more than 50 years at this point um and i never would have dreamed how much work how intricate the whole course rating system is um it is uh, I, I've, I've got somewhere in case behind me, the, the, the spiral bound book that we take out to the golf course, which is a hundred plus pages. I mean, the, the, the easiest way I will, you know, this, I think will resonate with you, Akbar. The easiest way I describe this is for one set of 18 holes, um, one set of tees, there's 2,880 data inputs. Um, Whoa. that's how much there is. I mean, I would have thought, you know, stupid me, I would have thought, oh, you play the course, you look at the yardage, you make some judgment. Yeah. It's not yeah. at all like that. I mean, we take like, we you, you, you can't do them both at the same time. We just rate 
we start at 6.30 in the morning and it takes about, for a two-person team, it takes about 45 minutes to do a hole, the full-length hole for playing a regulation, wow. regulation course. So it's very, there's, you know, all these different obstacles and, you know, fairway, lateral hazards, crossing hazards and all these different So you take measurements Why do you do that? Is that oh, it's it's the measurements. Deal? There's both an objective and a subjective element of this. I mean, it's it's you basically because of the slope system, you sort of are rating it for both a par golfer and a bogey golfer. So you know how much um, by, by the book you assume a, a scratch golfer hits it and a bogey golfer. So you kind of work your way down the hole from the tee. For both a par golfer and a bogey golfer and at each landing spot you have a landing zone because you assume how far they can hit it and you look at not just measuring the fairways uh length or width excuse me but you measure how far it is to lateral hazards is there a bunker in play how deep is the bunker is there a crossing hazard what's the topography you know you have wow. to rate the topography i mean there's like 15 every landing zone i think there's like 15 different criteria that you have to sort of look at and you kind of work your way down the hole till you get to the hole and you rate the green and the mounding around the green and you know i mean i, I it is it is uh, i like i said i i thought i knew this game i was blown away by how detailed it is but i love it um and it's we do do a lot of golf because every golf course I was saying has to get rated once every eight years. So I don't know how many golf courses there are in the SCGA area, but you know, every eight years, I mean, and, and we were backed up because of COVID. So I think Doug and I mean, I don't, don't rate all of them, obviously. I mean, Doug's got like 40 people on the team and cause you know, he's got ones in Palm Springs and San Diego and I'll get up early and drive 60, 70 miles. Palm Springs and San Diego are a little bit lengthy from West LA, but um, you know, he's, it's, I probably rated, I just started a year ago. I probably did 25 courses last year and probably do at least that many this year, but it, it's a blast and it's, it's, you know, and, and, you know, uh, private courses are like a very, very small percentage of it. Most of our courses are public courses. So you meet all sorts of interesting people. You're seeing all sorts of interesting courses, different courses. I love it um but um it's a lot of fun um and i, I will great. invite you if you can make some time and you're in southern cal we invite you out to a rating and absolutely you act right happens. absolutely yeah i mean Doug, you should I honestly like do knew that. nothing i thought you were just going and playing golf and writing down what you thought well and i and, and, once and upon when, a time that was true once, that was it is once upon a time i mean uh, you know kevin knows this i mean kevin haney who used to do this before he became executive director and he just recently retired Back in the day, in like 25, 30 years ago, that's what it was. But it's way beyond that now. It's very intricate. So absolutely, if you're down here, Kevin can hook you up with Doug. You should come out. You would have a blast. It's it was a lot of I'm fun. I'm in. I'm in. I, I want to <laughs> learn and I want to see that and know how that works. Um, <laughs> if you bring golfers to come and play at this golf course, I think it has a lot of add value, value add, you know, I mean, creating a, a stream of greens revenue um, pays for programming, you know, um, I, I think right. it's great that if you guys come in and um, make this golf relevant to golfers um, and, and bring in that core golfer 
their interest level, I think, to support it and then um, see it see it success uh, becomes greater. And, and that's where I think this this collaboration is, is so strong is because you're bringing different parties together that traditionally aren't really seeing each other. Um, and I don't know. I, I just get really excited about this thing, Kevin and Larry. So uh, I'm for sure coming down to do a rating with you, but also uh, keeping a close watch on this thing because I think there's a lot to learn from what you guys are going through with it. Well, that's I want to awesome. thank you for diving in. I really appreciate your involvement, Seamus's involvement. Really excited to have you guys. I think one of the things that we do, one of our largest weaknesses is awareness. And you helping us throw the Maggie on June 13th is going to just create a ton more awareness for the golf course, for our work, for Western States in the in SAPI that does the work there. So really appreciate you um, being willing to be a part of it. And I, I've got an idea. Why don't we do, uh, when we rebuild the golf course, we'll rate Maggie and you'll be an honorary. Yes. Oh I love gosh, it. That's that perfect. perfect. That's perfect. I would love to do that. That would be so cool. Oh, um, I love it. That's awesome. For sure. Um, but um, listen, guys, thank you so much. I know you're both very busy. I really appreciate it. Looking forward um, to the Maggie, to the U.S. Open, and to getting uh, the project uh, done. And um, really appreciate all, Kevin, all you do for the game and, and Akbar that you're involved in this and all the wonderful stuff you do at Seamus Golf. So thank you guys both. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Larry. Okay, Thank talk you to you guys soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.